0: You're listening to The B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Anika Bjorkom. Anika is CMO at SwipeGuide. Which is a digital platform designed to capture knowledge from frontline experts. Anika, it is great to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, great to be here, and nice to see you again, Jeremy.
0: It is nice to see you too. And before we dive into our topic, say a few words about Swipe Guide.
1: Sure. Yeah. So SwipeGuide is a B2B SaaS solution. We help mainly manufacturing companies, including Heineken, Coca-Cola, ABB, to capture knowledge in their factories and make that into very user-friendly work instructions and standard operating procedures that reduce errors.
0: Okay. Very cool. And we'll put a link to SwipeGuide in the show notes so people can check it out. So now on to our topic. And this is one that every marketer deals with, struggles with, tries to figure out how to solve, and that's namely determining content ROI. So let's just start with the very basics. When we talk about ROI in terms of content, what are we talking about in your view?
1: Yep. So I would say the definition of ROI in content marketing has to do with the amount of money, so dollars that you got from your content versus the amount you spent. And here, actually, when talking about the spend, I'm not only talking about the money you spend, but actually also, for example, the effort you put into it and also, for example, the time that you put into it. So, for example, if your content marketing team hates working with a specific, you know, tool or person, maybe it's not worth the effort. So not always monetary there the way I see it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. so. Return on investment—the way we typically understand that—just what are you getting out of this? All this time and money and effort and so on. And uh, I mean, I, yeah. as I think our listeners are well aware, the reason this is such, you know, a common topic is because it's not always very easy to measure ROI for content marketing. It's really hard to point no, to a blog post or any piece of content and say, "Ah, see that boosted our bottom line revenue by." Two percent or something—it's almost impossible to do that, right?
1: No, absolutely, and I think also there, like the normal ratio that's considered good. So it's basically like in terms of spend, it's five to one. So if you spend, let's say, yeah, a hundred dollars on a piece of content producing it, uh, you should expect to get something around five hundred dollars in return. So that's kind of a, that's a framework, kind of like a base mark that you should maybe consider as good. And I think also there, it varies, yeah, depending on the type of content that you're producing, right?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's talk about different content types as they relate to ROI. So, and just from your own personal experience. So for thinking about written content, video, the audio, all different kinds. How do you approach looking at ROI for these different types of content?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say companies typically tend to start with the easy stuff, right? Like blog posts, they're cheap and easy to produce and they're also easy to update. And I think here you can be very specific and answer specific questions as well. There, typically I would say measure based on our, for example, traffic or the number of sessions and actually how many, let's say, inbound demos did those generate? So basically how many people landed on that specific blog post and kind of started the interaction with your company. And of course, especially in B2B, sometimes it's not the first time they're visiting the website, but maybe this is like, you know, three months later or six months later or two years later. Uh, but still, the first interaction they you had with your company is that specific blog post. So tracking that is, of course, A and Z here. I think also, of course, for video, as you were mentioning, it's often more costly and it's also more difficult to update. So here I would say focus on quality, but remember to standardize so that you have kind of a, a easy way to deal with future videos that you're creating as well. Here I would say, for example, engagement is quite a good metric that you could start measuring and also, for example, some uh, videos, of course, can also speed up sales velocity, for example. Same goes mm. for, for example, things like use cases, customer stories, things like I Also, you were mentioning audio, so interviews, also a great thing. Maybe for, for upsell potential, for expanding existing accounts, for example. So more specifically geared towards like account-based marketing approaches. Here again, like, yeah, kind of uh, a using it as proof, let's say. So here, yeah, again, like I was mentioning sales velocity could be a great metric there. Mm-hmm. So how fast are people actually moving through your pipeline? Maybe also just uh, the number of conversions, events, actions that they take as well. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting things to measure.
0: How, how important do you think it is to, to be able to link an a, a individual piece of content to a metric? like a prospect moving through the pipeline or anything else. And I ask that because in a way, it just seems so difficult to do that. Like you mentioned, just the typical B2B buying process, right? You're bouncing around websites and looking at all different kinds of pieces of content. It's, it's a lot to keep track of. And you know the, how, how much does it matter, do you think, to be as accurate as possible to say this piece of content resulted in this action is, can you even do that?
1: Well, I would say, yes, it's, you can absolutely, of course, with the right tools, you can always do that. And personally, I think it's very important because then you also know what you should be focusing on. So in my opinion, you avoid a waste. So you know what to focus on. You know what actually works for your specific target audience. You can also validate your channels and also validate your audience and your buyers. So you can actually, it helps you focus on what actually matters and actually brings you revenue. And there's actually this study, I think it was HubSpot who studied this like years ago. Probably there's a newer number now, but back in the days, they said that content marketeers who focus on measuring accurate ROI off the content that they produce are 12 times likelier to uh, generate a better year-on-year return. I think definitely measuring the right things and being very you know, meticulous about it is definitely a good thing. So if mm-hmm. you can do it, you should do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, it's kind of gets to the next question I have, which is why does all this matter? You know, why is it so important right. to, to measure content ROI? And as I think you just said, it's well partly to know what's working and what's not, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to, to not waste time on things that don't work.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, indeed, just uh, kind of focus on yeah, just prioritizing what works, and just focusing on the long term as well makes you makes it way easier for to for you to plan your content roadmap, and also for you know sales enablement as well. How can you actually make your content deliver to like the the overall growth of the company and the the revenue numbers?
0: Right, for sure. So. What's your main takeaway for marketing teams that are maybe struggling to measure content ROI? What's, what's your advice?
1: So my advice, thinking about it, I think I have five pieces of advice. So <laughs> I was mentioning tools, right? So, yeah. so you can do anything with the right tools. However, I really like this saying, a fool with a tool is still a fool. So (laughs) you should also know how to use your tool stack and you should also pick your tool stack wisely and know how to use it in your advantage. So I think that's definitely one. So tools alone are not going to help solve your, you know, constant ROI problems. Usually you should just dig deeper and also really validate that you're focusing on the right things, that you're targeting the right audience, that you're also talking the language of your target, you know, audience as well. So so all the, the basics need to be there. I would also Mm -hmm. say, don't shy away from from using freelancers and also, you know, choose your freelancers wisely. And also, basically, you know, you you should be picky. And there's a lot of really great content freelancers out there who also know the value of, you know, delivering content that actually uh, can bring you revenue. Then I would say, don't only focus on, you know, we were just talking about the, the text part and the video part. But focus on the creatives as well. So if you're writing blog posts, don't just chunk out, you know, the text. Think about the unique images that are part of those blog posts as well. Those can generate some really great, unique backlinks as well. Mm. So I would say just kind of (laughs) gearing it towards SEO here as well. I think that's definitely a really important thing to keep in mind as well. So focusing on unique visuals. And also... Being in business for a couple of years, I think, of course, also content pruning is definitely mm. something worth mentioning. So go back and just revisit whatever you've published in the past as well. Make sure that it's still relevant, that it's up to date. Right? Content VK is real. So don't forget your existing content. So keep it relevant um, as well. And I think also actually one thing, a lot of content marketeers are staring blindly at like the number of traffic or like the, the traffic numbers that their content is generating. However, I would say also don't be afraid to be very specific with the content that you're creating. Sometimes the very, very specific pieces of content generate the biggest ROI. So, you know, even though, yeah, low traffic is not always a bad thing. Mm. So there's less competition and it's more niche. So it makes it easier for your audience to find you and vice versa.
0: OK, wow, that's a lot of great advice. A lot, a lot to take in there. So uh, we're going to give our listeners a chance to absorb all that. And meanwhile, i will just ask one more question, which is how can people reach you?
1: Yeah, sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just Annika Bjerkel, my name. I think there's one other person in the world with my name, so it should be pretty easy to find me. (laughs) So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Okay, excellent. And as always, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn page in the show notes. And well, Annika, thank you so much for a great conversation. Really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jeremy.
0: That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's c-o-n-n-versa.com.